Good afternoon, good morning. Mark Johnson from Loyalty360. Hope everyone's happy, safe, and well. I want to welcome you back to another edition of Loyalty Live. In this series, we talk to the leaders in customer channel and brand loyalty about the technology trends and best practices that impact a brand's ability to drive unique experiences, enhance engagement, but most importantly, drive customer loyalty. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Don Smith. Don is a good friend of mine. Uh, he also is the Chief Strategy and Analytics Officer at Briarly. How are you today, Don? I'm doing very well, Mark. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, as you know, uh, Loyalty360 has a growing brand presence, and we meet with them periodically to talk about different topics around customer loyalty. And one that we've had a few meetings on recently is program fraud in gaming. It's a big concern, as you know, uh, in the loyalty industry. Uh, we recently had a, a member-only meeting about a week ago, and there were some areas of concern regarding program fraud and gaming uh, that we've heard, and obviously would love to discuss that with you. So looking forward to that discussion. Sounds good. It's not a super sexy topic, but it's incredibly important, and most providers in the loyalty space are spending a lot more time on fraud and gaming than they have in the past, and for good reason. Absolutely. Now, first off, uh, you are one of the thought leaders in the customer loyalty industry. I have a great deal of respect for you, uh, what you do and uh, kind of your acumen, but also you know, how, how you look at customer loyalty holistically. Um, so when you look at that, when you look at customer loyalty fraud, program gaming, what are you seeing today as the chief strategy and analytics <clears throat> officer at Briarly? Yeah, I mean, the landscape is changing a little bit on us. And I think the good news still is that fraud isn't prevalent, widespread, eroding confidence in loyalty programs, and it's not breaking the bank, but it is growing, and the fraudsters are becoming increasingly clever in terms of how they try to circumnavigate some of the requirements of programs. I mean, the good news is most of it is preventable or at least detectable, um, at least the major things that need corrective action, and so it's a good time to take a look at it. I mean, I think it might even be helpful to decompose the types of fraud that affect loyalty in particular. I mean, the traditional one that's always been there, you know this, Mark, is the accrue. I get points, for example, if it's a points program, I make a big purchase and I earn my reward and I very quickly, that reward bounces back and I redeem that reward on another transaction. And then the opportunistic shopper might very well go back with merchandise from the first transaction and return it. Right. Yep. And so they, they do that. And that's been a problem forever. But sometimes that's legitimate and it's just part of the shopping experience. But other times it's very opportunistic. And so it's important to flag it and record it. Um, I think in COVID times, this has become a little more pronounced. We've seen some folks with big accrual baskets and folks are getting a little more clever in terms of how they're returning merchandise, too. And it's becoming a problem for brands. Number one is the free shipping problem, right? Because you have a, uh, folks will go, they'll fill the basket up, they'll, they'll fill it up deliberately to try to get the free shipping or to get the points or both. And many brands during COVID are so interested in engineering more e-commerce that they basically removed any cost for returning merchandise. And the brand is picking up the cost of that reshipment when merchandise is returned, right? So it's potentially very costly. A customer is gaming the system, making the brand incur the price of returning the merchandise and redeeming a reward that they earned by virtue of the first accrual. It can be very problematic. And we're also seeing a rise in people who are circumnavigating this, where folks will do the purchase online, and then they will return the merchandise in store anonymously and accept store credit, right? 
Um, and so the brand isn't necessarily aware that Mark Johnson made several purchases and returned two thirds of them um, in store for, for anonymous credit. And then Mark went ahead and redeemed his reward um, that he earned uh, illegitimately that put him over the threshold. Right. So that's the most common. That's always been with us. And we've always done exception reporting about that. And it's pretty easy to detect who those folks are. If it occurs more than once with a member, you know for sure that that person is sort of gaming your system and you have to flag it for corrective action. But there are other types of fraud that are occurring as well in loyalty space right now. One of them is sort of accrual, accrual fraud or points for engagement. A lot of programs are really leaning into this notion like, hey, if you write a product review, we'll give you some points. If you check in in our store, we'll give you some points, put a social media post. And as long as your brand has engineered its program with guardrails to make sure that you can't do too much of that activity, you're typically good. But the fraudsters, when there's unlimited points for engagement, will write macros and generate things. And you'll see people checking into 10 stores in the course of a day. Um, trying to rack up those points. And so you just have to have a circuit breaker, like no more than one check-in per week or per day, and you can get around that. But if not, those points will rack up on you very, very quickly. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's another type too. So I, as brands have tried to sweeten the pot, we are seeing a cool trend in loyalty where more brands are actually using their program as an acquisition vehicle, right? To get new customers and sign up for our program and we'll give you a great welcome gift. Or you've got brands fast-tracking people into higher status that are new members shopping the brand for the first time, giving them a tier status. And so what we're also seeing a little bit of right now is re-enrollment fraud, right? Or at least gaming where you're already, yeah. I'm already a member of a program and now I decide to sign up with my middle name or a different email address or a different phone number or my spouse's phone number so that I can enjoy those points or whatever that benefit of enrollment is, right? And the, the, uh, and in and of itself, it's not the end of the world because the customer is still transacting, but we're seeing a lot of folks do that and then try to consolidate the points from the new account with their legacy account, right? And usually that paper trail is there. I mean, it's an electronic record and we can see it. The question is how to handle it and whether or not brands have the appetite to sort of discipline this or it becomes just the cost of doing business. And you do have to take a, a hard look at that from a customer experience perspective. But that Absolutely. kind of behavior, it's really on the rise. Um, and similarly, there's- uh, a, Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say two other types of things to talk about of types of fraud. There's appeasement fraud happening right okay. now. And we see tons of these customers who are brilliant. And it is exacerbated during COVID because of the anonymous nature of not having to make a complaint in person, Right. Um, is folks will go on to a customer service portal or they'll record a complaint and they've been trained by some brands that a brand will say, I'm so sorry you had a bad customer experience. Here's a thousand points, you know, please forgive us. And you really need very, very good exception reporting at the customer level around that behavior because there are yeah. folks who do it every time. And you just need to track it, certainly use it. It's a great tool when someone has had a legitimately bad experience but you don't want to, um, to encourage and train a behavior for the opportunistic customer, you know? And, and dark web is also up right now, Mark. You know this, people are buying passwords and hacking into credentials. And we've seen a few more people logging into loyalty accounts and trying to do a quick redemption of the point balance. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's solvable too. 
Uh, and you're going to see more. We're working with our brands to put more redemption challenges, challenge questions, looking for different IP addresses, different locations, yeah. and really making sure that it's the member before a redemption occurs. Can you so, talk about how a challenge question works? Yeah, and it could be as simple as the security questions that you set up when you set up your account. Hopefully, yeah. no one's using the cliched questions like what's your mother's maiden name, but you can use some simple things like what was your pet's first name, or you can ask questions. I like this one, which is just to ask what you've purchased before or what store you shop at, you know? Yes, the fraudster could have researched that, but chances are good that they're not. They're going for quick hits on as many accounts as possible when they're doing that. And a challenge question will dissuade them very, very quickly. It's Absolutely. a minor inconvenience for the member, but I think most of us understand that it's being done for our protection. Absolutely. And when you look at uh, fraud, brands realize that uh, it's going to happen. Uh, yeah. They realize that uh, a lot of people are spending a lot of time, really smart people trying to figure out a fraud, you know, to, to, to come up with a new type of fraud or at least the gaming or enhance it in some capacity. So they realize it's going to exist, but they are trying to uh, limit the most egregious types of fraud. Um, you know, what are your thoughts uh, about how brands should be reporting and looking at fraud? You kind of talked about a little bit the balance between fraud and the customer experience and how you get that right. Yeah, there's no perfect answer, and it's an optimization game. And the one thing that I'd say is most brands are good at identifying egregious fraud that has an immediate bottom line impact, right? It costs the brand a lot of money, and they will go and they will, they will handle that rather aggressively. And I think that's important to identify those, those low-hanging fruit scenarios where you can make an impact by clawing back whatever just happened. But I would caution brands to make sure that the member experience is also protected in this process, right? Um, because if you're a member and your account has been hacked into and your points have been depleted, like it or not, you're going to have to give the member those points back or do something to make a good experience for her or him. And we need to equally protect the members of the loyalty program with the brand's bottom line. And, and one way that we're working with our clients on doing that is you know, we're setting up real-time triggers. We have good fraud detection, but brands can't always afford to take corrective action, especially when things are firing off to like a loss prevention team where it has to be handled. Um, they're going to go after the biggest cases. And often we're scoring, you know, the value of that activity that just occurred. And we're triaging, you know, based on, based on how easy it is to solve and uh, which ones should receive human interest or human attention that takes real time to deal with. And I think brands just have to strike that balance. But the good news is, is outside of the reporting and having to deal with something like manual loss prevention tactics is that you're, you can further safeguard the program by engineering guardrails and circuit breakers against egregious fraud activity, you know? And I think we're seeing that. Put a limit on the number of bonuses that can be won through simple activities that can be gamed. Um, and put some safeguards in place uh, around free shipping and around in-store returns. And I think brands are going to revisit those things as they move forward in the era of COVID because it is becoming costly and affecting the bottom line. Perfect. When, when you look at um, reporting, that's a big challenge we hear from uh, the members of Loyalty 360 as well. You know, the customer loyalty, customer experience programs that they are using, they are not getting a lot of assistance from uh, you know, that, that, that provider, either from a strategy perspective or from a technology perspective. As you go through RFIs or RFPs, or even when you do maybe strategy work with 
different brands. Is that something you're seeing? And, and how do you help your brands identify uh, these different types of fraud and, and put in place different measures to address them? Yeah, reporting is essential on this. And the good news is most fraud is easy to detect. If you commit to identifying cases of fraud, scoring those business rules, identifying the instances and getting the report triggers in place. So our mantra is real-time triggers for exceptions. And they can be as simple as here's a list of top exceptional earners of points. Here's the highest accruers. Here's the highest redeemers, right? Here's atypical transactions or transactions that break the customer's traditional cadence or basket. Not all of them are fraud, but you can identify with a high degree of certainty things that look like irregularities. And what's critical is firing off in real time and rank ordering them in terms of the risk landscape that comes with each of those activities and making sure that you triage um, one thing we talk to our customers about, and, and our reporting suite, Mark, for our programs has proliferated in terms of the number of exception and fraud reports. Yep. And with most of our programs and clients, we also do pro- fraud profile detection, and we're looking at the behaviors of customers, and we're actually modeling this at the customer level and keeping a score. Because chances are very, very good that uh, that folks who game in one way are doing it at another as well. Yep. And that there's often a confluence of those behaviors, and it's important to know. Um, And there's another thing that I would mention here, too, that I think is interesting. And we call it recalibrated customer lifetime value. I mean, almost every brand will be calculating some kind of ruling measure of customer value, right? Here's how much Mark Johnson has spent. You know, right. with brand brand X, and it makes sense. You're gonna you're gonna line them up at the IVR or triage at the call center based on your value to the brand. What we do at Briarly with this is we say, great, we want to look at net profitable contribution of a customer, but we also want to juxtapose that calculation against all of the things that cost the brand money. And right. so we will monetize. Has this customer had a lot of points appeasements? How much time have they spent on customer service complaining to get those point appeasements? And we'll put that calculation in. And I think most importantly, we'll look at the costs of lots of returns. Does this customer return every other purchase, you know, or rack up shipping costs and rewrap charges? Because so many garments are hard to resell and the cost can be 25% to recondition a garment and get it back on the rack. So all of those things should go into a customer value calculation. And even if it's not fraud, sometimes it's just high maintenance or opportunistic customers. And while you may not fire them from your brand, you should know who they are, flag them as such, and uh, differentiate the customer experience and uh, enable your associates to to know this information and, uh, and deal with it when they encounter what are inevitably going to be some interactions where the customer is seeking appeasement or other benefits. When you look at uh, employee fraud, you kind of touched on a little bit that that's a big concern too. So the bartender who has uh, access to their friend's card and they're putting all the points on uh, and they're getting free meals for their friends and family uh, and other types of gaming fraud. You talked to it from even from the program sign up, right. And, and, and knowing when uh, new releases may come out, what are you seeing with regard to employee fraud and what are brands doing to address that? Yeah, it's a good question. 
And the, the good news is that employee fraud isn't really widespread. It occurs a yeah. lot less than you typically think in the typical types of employee fraud that brands have to deal with, which are widespread propagation of an employee discount and or just blatant bad behavior, like not ringing up items or ringing up discounts that shouldn't be there, still remain the biggest threat. Uh, but the good news about loyalty employee fraud is it is detectable and you will find it very, very quickly. And we can fire off real-time triggers um, to correct that almost instantly when it occurs, because you'll typically see it on the accrual. The scenario you described is the most common in employee fraud, yeah. where a customer comes in and they're not a member of the program, or they don't have their, their loyalty number, typically their phone number. And that's where the employee will just start racking up points for herself or himself and do that over and over. Well, that pattern is easily identifiable at a threshold level through a simple algorithm where we go, yeah, this could not have happened, that this employee made three purchases in an hour, immediately notified the store team, right? And uh, we can and do that. And it's it's very easy to detect and to stop. Um, it's okay. the other, other types of employee fraud, I think are a lot more nefarious. When you look at employee fraud, one of the things that we've heard is that there there isn't always a kind of a training mechanism around that. that some brands are you know looking at that, and they may have done some training through the onboarding, uh, but that could be you know months, years uh, later. You know, how should brands be looking at training their employees uh, pertaining to kind of the, that that type of gaming from the employees, or just kind of a fraud in general? Yeah, I think it needs to be part of the new employee orientation and the new hire uh, sort of uh, sort of process. But it also needs to be part of the ongoing narrative uh, when when brands meet with their associates and do field and team briefings as well. Um, the the good news is the piece of employee fraud. There can be very clear ground rules to keep that from happening. And I think when brands lay down the law and say, look, here's how the program works, you might think it would be fun to go ahead and use your employee discount. Understand that this is grounds for instant termination. And I think when brands are communicating this, it's a very, very good thing. And right. I'll, I'll preface that by saying, we believe at Briarly, and I think most providers do, that store employees should absolutely be invited to join a program and participate in it. It makes them understand the mechanics. It makes them evangelists on behalf of the program. You yep. just have to guard against that rare event of that behavior. It's not as common as you might think, and you can nip it in the bud instantly when it occurs. So I think that's the good news. The larger issue is how do we train store associates to identify fraud on the part of customers and members? And that's where you can put in place some pretty good rules around the return policy, around lookup, but you're not going to solve for all of it. And I think brands are typically going after the most egregious behaviors, identifying it and training their employees on that. Okay, great. When you look at standard operation, standard operating procedures, SOPs, uh, many of the members uh, we spoke with about fraud, they're kind of muddling through it, right? They don't have a kind of standard process, it's ad hoc. Uh, and, you know, it, it, that makes it a little more challenging, right, uh, to figure out what it is. They don't have necessarily the rules network that you have. You know, how should brands or how do brands go about developing a standard operating procedure uh, to kind of help them identify, address and be proactive with regard to fraud? Yep. And the it's it's tricky, but. I think what you need is good governance, and it needs to be balanced against optimization criteria. 
And quite frankly, you'll never solve for every instance of fraud. And quite frankly, some things that look like fraud actually aren't. They're just legitimate interactions that got a little bit sloppy and might not work in the brand or the program's favor. But they're still part of the organic member experience, right? And so I think you really have to rank order and go after the behaviors that are the most damaging. And so the first piece of standard operating procedures is identify your fraud profile, identify the behaviors that are the most damaging and costly to the brand, and make sure that those are prioritized through real-time detection. We see it occur, it meets a threshold, it fires off a rule, it alerts the store manager or the loss prevention team for immediate investigation. Go after those and make sure you've rank ordered those those cases against what could be occurring in terms of just sort of brand value and customer value and go after the ones that are potentially the most damaging. That's a great standard operating procedure. And I think also tracking the behavior at the customer or member level is really crucial as well because people will chip away at it, right? And the folks who like to persistently game will do so. Well, if you have a a new or recalibrated customer lifetime value calculation, you can get ahead of that and start identifying who the gamers are and you can give them a different member experience that is perfectly acceptable and stop enabling a behavior, right? Like excessive appeasement. And that's that's easily solvable. Um, But I think the other thing around standard operating procedures is you have to agree to learn and grow with your fraud profile. And the good news is because it'll change tomorrow in terms of the modalities that occur and how people try to break a system. And as long as you're modeling that behavior, identifying it, and really using the power of machine learning in your algorithms that are detecting the fraud behavior and getting those into market, you're going to be in good shape, but you have to make a commitment to identifying new types of fraud and modeling that new type of fraud and making sure that it joins the repository of reporting or real-time triggers that help you prevent that fraud. Absolutely. Well, Don, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. And I think some of the things you spoke about, uh, some of the things you're doing uh, to help brands be proactive is 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 very interesting because I, you know, we continue to see the challenges there, uh, and uh, the fact that you have these different reports, and most importantly, you have insight as to kind of how it, it will look within different verticals or different industries. I think is is hugely compelling. Yeah, I, thank you, Mark. And my my final word is the majority of members are good participatory members and fraud is real, but it's not as pervasive uh, as we might think. You know, programs work pretty well and a lot of the fraud is preventable and detectable. Absolutely. Well, I thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today, Don, and uh, thank you everyone for listening and join us back uh, next Tuesday for our next edition of Loyalty Live.